0: It's difficult a lot of Sundays to know uh, after singing like that and hearing you sing and worshiping together exactly what the first word or phrase ought to be. And um, it'd probably help me if y'all just clap to the Lord right now and worship you know, that Just give him praise. Mm. It is good to know that we can know we are are saved. That is good to know. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the assurance of our salvation. The assurance of our salvation. Father, about together, we continue to worship you in song. These songs are lifted as prayer, they're they're lifted as praise and thanksgiving and a worshipping of you who you are and what you've done you're worthy of all of our worship and we we thank you for the good news of salvation, thank you for your grace and your mercy thank you for forgiveness of sin, thank you for making that possible and making that offer thank you for the privilege the gift the the joy it is to be in a room uh, with people who uh, bear the name of Christ we are gathered as your church today we thank you for making that possible father pray now for your Holy Spirit to work in a mighty way in this room. We'll read your Word. We believe that your Word is alive and active and we pray that we'd experience that in our hearts, our lives, our our souls today that the living, active Word of God would convict and encourage and strengthen and transform us to be more like Christ. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be free to work in this room. Spirit of God, you convict, you teach, you counsel, you bear witness. And Spirit of the Lord, we, we know that for this work of assurance to happen in our heart, this will be your work. And we pray that when we walk out of this room in just a little bit, that this would be a room of people that would walk out assured assured of their salvation, confident in you, knowing without a doubt that they are right with the Father, that their sins are forgiven, that their home is heaven, and that you are living in them. Thank you that we can know. And would you make that happen in this room today? And Father, I pray... Together, in this room, if there's anyone that you would today show that they need salvation. That you draw them to you. And today, someone would call out to you to be saved. To be forgiven. To receive you. So, we offer this time to you, trusting that you would do your work. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. We'd open your Bibles to 1 John. The New Testament book of 1 John, and the easiest way to find that in your Bible is to go all the way to the end, to Revelation, and just back up a few pages, and real fast, you'll get to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Probably just take up about four pages, five pages in your New Testament And over these last few weeks in this Good to Know series we have said that God's Word, that the Bible is God's Word and it can be trusted we were created by God in His image we have a sin problem, hallelujah, we have a Savior and last week We spoke about the fact that we have a helper. I've been encouraged this week by the number of texts and emails that I've received. Conversations just face to face of people talking about how the Spirit of God last week spoke to their heart about who He is and what He does and how He works. And I hope that you have joined me this week in praying as your day begins. For the Spirit of God to fill you and to bear fruit in your life and transform you to be more and more like Jesus. And that's the prayer that we pray and we submit our lives to for the Spirit of God to work. Today when we talk about knowing that we are saved, I'm confident that most in this room today are saved. You give evidence of that. You have testimony of that. I'm also confident that many today or listening today live with paralyzing doubt and a weakened soul because of a lack of assurance of salvation there is no age limit there is no time frame of when doubts about our salvation um, come or go we can be saved at eight, and maybe years later, walk through a a season of a lack of assurance or doubt about if we're saved. And today is not an attempt to cause doubt. I'm praying, and I've asked others to join with me, in praying that what would happen today is that if there is doubt, if there is a lack of assurance, that this would be the day that you would be able to mark on the calendar and say God did something in my life on that day, in that time where I've never known the assurance of my salvation like I did from that point on. You might say, how can you be so sure that many do not have assurance of salvation? Well, personal experience. There was a time in my life where the Most dominating spiritual activity going on in my life was a lack of assurance. Now I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God bringing to my heart uh, a a great assurance of my salvation. And I I stand before you today without any doubt, just 100% sure that my sins have been forgiven. If I were to die today, that I would spend eternity in heaven the spirit of God is living in me but that's not because of something that I have done I believe it is a work of the spirit a gracious gift of the spirit that he would bring that sense of assurance it's not arrogant it it is it has nothing to do with me it is me saying out loud before you and before heaven thank you God thank you Holy Spirit that we can know that we are saved but that wasn't always the case and over the years, there were multiple visits. This is just how it played out for me. There were multiple visits where my parents took me to see the pastor. We, we were a uh, small church, and so a lot of opportunity there for a lot of interaction with people. And, and I can remember sitting down with uh, Brother Mike, Brother Mike Perry. And I, I don't know if any of you, do any of you ever remember the little plastic glove that Southern Baptist put out that talked about on each finger things about our faith. Anybody ever see that plastic glove? And I remember sitting with Brother Mike and him having that plastic glove, and each one of his fingers had something uh, that he taught about salvation, and, and we just wrestling and, and through that and thinking about, Lord, am I saved? Have I done enough? If, if, if I were to die, I remember... Uh, in our community as a kid, the movie The Burning Hell uh, came through. And I remember watching that movie and just being I'm literally terrified for weeks. Uh, thinking about the images that I saw there of what people had imagined visually that hell might be like. And just wondering, and, Lord, am, am I saved? And so today, to stand before you today with full assurance of salvation, I praise the Lord for that and I want that for you and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would allow you to be at a place today where you'd walk out and I know, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know it by personal experience from my wife Carla and she said to me without me asking, she said, it's fine with me for you to share my story. When I met Carla, she was in her 20s, and the reputation that I knew of her was that she was very engaged with her local church. She had a worn out Bible. She was uh, in, faithful to church, faithful in Bible study. She had strong mentors in her life spiritually. And after we were married, and we. Uh, were living in Memphis, a great battle of assurance of her salvation gripped her heart and life. Now, I wondered if it was my fault. I remember just just thinking, can I not lead here spiritually? Can I not help? Can I not solve this? And she was working in downtown Memphis, night shift at Baptist Hospital. And there was a lot of fear involved with that. And a lot of you go to bed at night and you pray at night, Lord, if I'm not saved, would you save me? And that was not the case for her. For her, it was when she woke up and she would uh, get ready to go work in downtown Memphis. She would say, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't. And I can remember uh, many mornings where just in anguish we would talk through that and pray through that. And one night at Kirby Woods Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee on Poplar Avenue, Carla's eyes, locked eyes with Sherry Holcomb in the church choir. And somehow in their communication knew that they needed to talk to each other. And she left that worship service and went out and spent some time with Sherry Holcomb praying before the Lord. And and she came back a different woman, a different wife. A different peace in her heart and the spirit of God had given her great assurance of her salvation. And to God be the glory. Another reason that I would be confident today that people struggle with assurance of their salvation is because an entire book of the Bible is devoted to us knowing that we can be saved. There's not a, just a passing verse. When you talk about assurance of salvation and knowing that we can be saved, if you know the Bible, know what's here in the 66 books of the Bible, you will know that 1 John is a letter written by the Apostle John that speaks directly to this um, gift of God of being able to know that we are saved. And that's why on this subject that we would go to First John. Five chapters that speak about knowing that we have salvation. Now, let's look at First John. And I want to read in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. If you read through the whole book of 1 John, you would find that at least 38 times the word no or some form of no are used in this, in this book. Look in First John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life and then verse 13 the whole purpose for the letter i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life that you may know that you have eternal life so assurance of our salvation it's good to know that we can know we are saved for a long time our next door neighbors were uh, Brett and Leslie McCullough and their kids, their their kids grew up with our kids and there was a cut through from their house through our backyard that our kids would often walk to uh, get together in the cul-de-sac to be able to play and one day I'm standing on the back deck of my house and one of the guys, I'm not sure if it was Bo or Kyle, I think it was Kyle, Kyle walks through and he's walking their dog beside them and uh, I was living through a day where I was kind of frustrated with dogs and I saw say Kyle and and I just I spoke to him and I said hey Kyle how you doing said, I'm doing great and I noticed that his dog was not on a leash and that bothered me on that day and I said um, Kyle I need you to I need you to put your dog on a leash I'm scared he might get loose and bite somebody Kyle said to me, he said, oh, it's fine. She won't bite. I said, no. Are you sure she won't bite? He said, yes, she won't bite. It's been at least a year since she's bitten anyone. (laughs) That was not the assurance I was looking for. And that's not the assurance that I believe that God's word offers to us. He doesn't want us to think about our salvation in Jesus Christ as being something that we're 99% sure of or 80% sure of. He wants us, according to 1 John, to know that we have eternal life. And so how can we know? Well, that's what John writes about in his in his letter here, in his, this book that we hold in our hand today. And so I want to put our salvation on trial this morning. Would you be willing to put your salvation on trial this morning? And from this book, from these verses, I want to call four witnesses. Now, when we're talking about salvation, I want to be clear. I'm talking about when we say, are you saved? Do you have salvation? We're talking about have your sins been forgiven, past, present, and future. Now, we preach, teach, believe, just like 1 John 5 says, that this forgiveness of sin comes through belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who lived and died an atoning death for our sin was buried and rose again on the third day, guaranteeing all that he said he was and guaranteeing to us that we will live forever when Christ has forgiven us of our sin. So we believe salvation or sins forgiven, past, present, and future. Salvation is that we believe that spirit lives in us. Salvation is... When we die, we will go to heaven. And so when I talk about assurance of salvation, that's what I'm talking about, an assurance that your sins have been forgiven, that the Spirit lives in you, and that when you die, you'll go to heaven. And imagine this. If you're struggling this morning with with doubts or a lack of assurance, what peace would come to your mind and heart if today the Spirit of God settled that once and for all and you could walk into this life ahead? Not wondering if you are, but but living according to the fact that you are. How it might change your conversation, how it might change your prayer life, how it might lift anxiety off of your mind and heart. So let's call these witnesses. Number one, I would call, and just for ease of conversation, I'll address these witnesses as Mr. And I would just say, I want to call first Mr. Obedience. Mr. Obedience, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 you'll hear me refer often this morning to Adrian Rogers and James Montgomery Boyce maybe an occasional other as we talk through the gospel of John they've been very helpful in my study and my life about understanding uh, how to teach about assurance of salvation Adrian Rogers calls this witness uh, Mr. Obedience he, he calls it the Commandment test, the commandment test. We, would test. we would test our faith according to the commandment test. James Montgomery Boyce calls it the moral test. I'm saying to you, here's a test of obedience. Mr. Obedience, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, and by this we know, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so the first witness on the stand in our life when it comes to assurance of salvation is Mr. Obedience. And that is this, do... In our life, would we say that we keep his commandments? When we read God's word, when we hear God's word, when we have God's word come to our mind that we have memorized, when we sing God's word, would we say that our life is a life that depicts obedience to his word Is your life directed by His Word? Steered by His Word? Guided by His Word? Guided by the commands of Scripture? It's what Romans calls the obedience of faith. That when we believe, there is an obedience that comes with that faith. Our faith doesn't become... Our our faith uh, is not a result of obedience. Obedience is the evidence of our faith. And, and, And be assured of this as I talk about the these witnesses of salvation, we're talking about evidence of our salvation, what brings assurance of our salvation. It's not what saves us. It's the evidence. Matthew 28, we think about the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of their Father, Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? And teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Now, the, the the wording here is, you might look at this, and one of the reasons you may struggle with salvation is to say, I, 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 I'm not perfect. I have known a command of God, and I didn't keep it. Well, the way this passage reads is... When he says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, just imagine uh, taking care of something. And this is not an expectation of perfection, that that you are lost without Jesus if there's ever a commandment that you break or do not keep. It It is simply looking at our life and saying, Lord, here's what you say. Is it my life that I'm guided by your word? Pursuing your word. Dr. Rogers says about his own testimony that before he knew Christ, he was running toward sin. And after he came to know Christ, he found himself running away from sin. And I think if you looked at your own life today, you would know if your heartbeat is toward sin or if your heartbeat is away from sin. Secondly, we would call the witness of, we'd call him Mr. Love. Mr. Love. What would the witness of love say about your relationship with God, about your salvation? Adrian Rogers calls this the companion test. How do we love our companions? How do we love people that are in our lives? James Montgomery Boyce calls it the social test. 1 John chapter 3. This is how John speaks of it. 1 John chapter 3. Again, writing this whole book about here's how you can know that you have eternal life. He's spoken here in chapter 2 about being a people who follow the commands of God. And then here in chapter 3, those who love others in a certain way because Christ has loved them. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Here it is. How do we know we've passed from death to life? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And so a test of our life and a test of assurance of salvation is how uh, our relationship with others shows up. Do you love others? First John 3.16 we just read says, uh, gives us this picture of us being willing to lay down our lives for others. Now self is on the throne and self is our number one love then we're not willing to lay down our lives and, and life just revolves around us, keeping us happy, keeping us peaceful, getting what we want. And he shows that when Christ is living in us, just like Christ who came to serve, we become that kind of person we live to serve, we live to love. When we talk about love, I'm not talking about a feeling. There's certainly going to be times when you look toward me and you don't feel very loving or I look toward you and maybe I don't feel very loving. I, I, I'm, we, we, we go through a lot of emotions when we relate to people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 speaks about a biblical kind of love, a Christ kind of love. We don't need to isolate 1 Corinthians 13 to just a wedding ceremony. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it says love is patient and kind and does not boast and does not envy and does not keep a record of wrongs. Think about just that. Get past patient and kind. Keep a record of wrongs. If your life is being controlled by just keeping score about how other people treat you, that's a strong evidence. You're really struggling in the area of love for others. 1 Corinthians 13 founds itself in the context of of a church family loving one another, getting along with one another. There were a lot of conflict and division in the church of Corinth. And the Apostle Paul comes and he says, you're arguing over spiritual gifts and who's got the biggest gift, the most important gift. He says, when it comes down to it, it's not about the gifts, it's about love. And that kind of godly love would be love that is patient and kind. keeps no record of wrongs, does not boast, does not envy. You see, we have a new family when we come to know Christ and the evidence of being in right relationship in a family is that there's familial love. There's a love for the brothers and sisters. There's a there's a love for the crazy uncle, if you will. And certainly in our church uh, we have crazy uncles. And you know why the saying is, isn't it? It's like when you wonder who the crazy uncle is, that means it's you. <laughs> the third witness that we would call Mr. Obedience, Mr. Love, it's the commandment test, the moral test, the companion test, the social test. Number three would be Mr. Belief. Dr. Rogers calls this the confidence test. The confidence test. The confidence test. James Montgomery Boyce calls it the doctrinal test. John calls it the belief test. It is, it is. What do we believe? Who do we believe? First John chapter five. You see the progression through the book. Chapter two speaks about obedience. Chapter three speaks about love. And chapter three, we're. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter five, we're talking about. Who we believe. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Look in verse 10. 1 John five ten: Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 16 and Jesus asked, the disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, the Spirit of God has revealed this to you. And today when we talk about assurance of salvation, we, we look at our salvation and we begin to see that our confidence of our salvation is not in our ability. It's not in our ability to do enough or to be strong enough or even to... Take our faith and make our faith something. Our salvation comes from believing that Jesus is the Christ. That he has been born of God. Now, when we talk about belief, we're talking about biblical belief. If you've been in church over the years, I don't need to labor this point. We're not talking about the kind of belief that believes if George Washington was the first president of the United States or believing if somebody actually landed on the moon. I'm not talking about some kind of intellectual acceptance of something. We're talking about a belief that is something that we know but it is a knowing that changes our life. It changes the way we love others. It changes how we obey his commandments. It changes how our spirit reacts to disobedience. How our spirit reacts to being unloving toward others. It's that kind of belief. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You hide those words in your heart. For by grace are you saved through faith. This is what? Not of yourselves. So that no man can boast. And for sometimes we think about our, our faith and our belief when we die standing before God and saying... I'm here, Lord, because I know I didn't work for it, but it's because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, before we ever stand before the Lord in judgment, day by day by day by day, we need to live according to the fact that it's not by works. We need to live with this assurance that I'm saved today, not based on my record For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. And this is where I think personally was my greatest struggle. Have I done enough? Have I loved enough? Have I done so much bad that that rules me out? Was I good yesterday, but I'm bad today? What will happen tomorrow if it doesn't all add up? And those kinds of questions of, have I done enough? Have I loved enough? Have I believed enough? Those are not the questions. Here's the question right here, listen. Spirit of God working our heart and lives right now. Here's the question, not have I done enough or loved enough or believed enough. Here's the question. Is Jesus strong enough? Is Jesus strong enough to save? What that means is is that when Jesus Christ is the object of my faith, when he's the one that I believe, what I'm trusting in for my assurance of salvation, what I'm trusting in for my sins to be forgiven is the fact that Jesus Christ is strong enough to save, that his promises are true, And when he died on the cross, and he bore our sins, and he rose back to life, and he appeared to witnesses, and he ascended to heaven, and he lives to make intercession for me, that all of my salvation is wrapped up in this truth that Jesus did enough for my salvation. He paid the price for all of my salvation. Tim Keller says that it's not the quality of our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. And he uses this helpful illustration that if you're falling off a cliff and you reach and grab for something to save you, what saves you is the strength of the limb that you grab. And in this life, when we're convicted of our sin. What saves us is the strength of the one that we grab a hold of. And friends, when I grab a hold of Jesus Christ, we find, just like in Zephaniah 3, that God is mighty to save. Last witness is Mr. Spirit the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit Himself, the Spirit Himself bears witness Himself with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, it's a strange place to be in right now because there really is no illustration that I can give you today or no phrase that I can offer to you that would guarantee from me to you that you would have assurance of salvation. And so what I'm saying to you today is I'm bringing before you the Word of God and the Spirit of God and inviting you to talk to Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Spirit. Hear from the Spirit. And if you have a testimony that the lack of assurance of salvation has been your great battle, that today would you say to the Spirit of the Lord, Oh God, Spirit of God, you bear witness in me that I am yours and you are mine you might pray something like this Spirit of God I believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he died for my sins by faith I want to live for you change my heart help me lord even just loving other people but today would you if i've been saved in the past or it's your work you do right now would you flood me with an assurance of my salvation now as our band comes this morning to give us a chance to sing our faith i want to share one last story this really helped me when i think about assurance of salvation, oftentimes one of the things that we battle with is not being able to have a particular day and a particular time of when we trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. And we hear somebody say on January the 12th 1979 at and, and in and your and and mind you're thinking I don't have that date and time. Here's what I want to ask you today Are you believing that Jesus Christ died for you? Today, are you trusting that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And I want to tell you that today is what matters. Don't live off of filling out a card back there. Don't live off of being baptized back there. Don't live off of... Anything other than today, have you trusted Jesus Christ? Are you, are you today believing that Jesus is the Christ, that he died for you? He's your Lord and Savior. Dr. Rogers described it like this. He said, we're in Florida, and you're driving to Georgia, and I'm flying to Georgia. And let's meet at the airport parking lot. So when you're driving to Georgia, you cross the state line from Florida into Georgia, you know when you arrived in Georgia. You knew it, you saw it, you just crossed the state line. He said, I fly to Georgia and I land in the the airport. Am I in Georgia? I sure am. Do I know when I crossed into Georgia? I don't. But am I in Georgia? I absolutely am. And when we meet at the airport, even though you know the moment and time when you crossed into Georgia, you're in Georgia. I don't know the moment and time when I crossed into Georgia, but I know today that I'm in Georgia. And I want to ask you today, do you know today that you're in Christ? And you're in Christ because today your testimony would be that the only thing you're trusting in is Jesus Christ alone. And that object of our faith, that person of our faith, is strong enough to save. And that's where we're clinging to until we see him face to face. Hallelujah. We can know that we know. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to sing together. and Listen, if you've... This leads to some more conversation. I want to have that with you. See me out in the lobby after the service. We'll set up a time to talk Let's sing, let's declare our faith in Jesus and then we'll be dismissed.